I know we got a game on our hands, but we won't bury the lead. There has been so much chatter around the Suns and trades today, and I think it's uh, smart for us on this Trade Machine Tuesday to at least have a discussion about it. So let's dive in a little bit here, okay? Hold on, hold on. We can't do Trade Machine Tuesday without this. Train Machine Tuesday. <laughs> Train Machine Tuesday. I mean, Train all I could have done was hope Tuesday. that we forgot about this, but apparently not. Mm -mm. It no. lives to see another day. All right, let's dive into it. First up, Mark Stein shared that the Suns have started assessing their post-Chris Paul future and thus identifying Terry Rogier, Fred Van Vliet, and Emmanuel Quickly as potential trade targets. Now, Stein notes within his newsletter that based on what he's hearing, Rozier is perceived as available, quickly is not available, and Van Vliet is unclear. How you guys feeling about this one? You know, I, I don't, I don't mind any one of these players to be honest with you because I, I, they give you a boost, um, scoring wise. Uh, but if I had to decide which one I wanted more, oh man, I think for what the team is right now, I'd probably go Terry Rozier because I think he's a versatile piece. He can. He can help handle the ball, but he could also, you know, obviously he could play the off-guard position as well. Um, he's a good shooter. He's a good scorer. Uh, so he, I would probably go with Terry Rozier. And he's available. That's the most important part. Yeah, I mean, Rozier was where I, I was leaning for a while. But if if it's a we're looking to the future, we're trying to find the answer that maybe is the guy to take the mantle after Chris Paul, quickly, and I know – Stein says he's likely not available or isn't available, but I would understand why they're interested in quickly the age. Mm -hmm. uh, he was, his three point shooting doesn't look great here. 33.2%, but he was a much better three point shooter in college. So maybe it's one of those things that comes around eventually. So if I'm looking future, I get why they're thinking, but I think Rogier and the option that you could play him off ball uh, in when you're mixing your second unit with your starters or you want him and book at some point in the game and you can kind of trade off and on on who's on the ball. I like that. Uh, Joe Garibay is in the chat and he says, don't go for Rozier. I prefer a reunion with Rubio if that's the case. And I'm telling you right now, you don't want those problems because we're seeing that a little bit with Chris Paul, not, not scoring at the, 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 the high enough clip necessary to really elevate this team in crunch time and, and to really be a, a bona fide contributor in the second half of games, really. Um, yeah, we don't want more of the same. If you if you brought in Ricky Rubio to be the backup point guard to to Chris Paul, while that's good assist-wise, you're still struggling scoring, scoring the rock, and, and you need a guard that's going to be able to score. I think the Suns don't need another facilitator. They need another score more mm -hmm. than anything else. Yeah, and... I I agree. I agree on that front. I Ricky Rubio's 32 coming off a major injury, like bringing him in and hoping that he can rekindle the magic uh, is all well and good. But if you're thinking about your future, that's not much of a future. Yeah, it's a very short runway you have. Yeah. And also, Saul, this was something you mentioned before the show started, just to be clear, because I think everyone, at least in the chat, it appears understands what's happening with this um, conversation. It's not to move Chris Paul for one of these guys. Yeah, no. It's bringing them to this squad with Chris Paul yeah. on it for when Chris Paul can no longer perform 
or when he's no longer with the team. Yeah. Kind of a situation. For sure. It's, I know there was some confusion there. It's for sure. It's to supplement what you have right now, for sure. Yeah. And then I know everyone in the chat is already like, but Gambo said, but Gambo said. What did Gambo say, Emma? He said, nah. Forget about it. <laughs> the Reaper weighed in and he said, oh, the Suns aren't interested in these guys because well, to be they fair, wouldn't fit with, with CP3. To be fair, he said, I do not see the Suns having interest in these guys, which sounded but, a little bit more of an opinion than a fact. I don't know. Maybe he but, clarified on the but show. But he also said that they, they, they would not be a good fit next to Chris Paul. And the whole point of this is not for Chris Paul to play with said player. The whole point of this is to get a player in here that can get you, that can be a bridge between Chris Paul and whatever's coming up next if they're not the answer themselves, right? Like, you, you're you not looking to play this guy in Devin Booker's minutes, right? Like, you're not going to see those two guys on the court at the same time and Chris Paul and this other one. Like, it's supposed to be supplementary, like, not a replacement. Well, look, and I actually said that to him on Twitter. I said, wouldn't quickly be more about the future and not as much of a concern with CP3, to which he responded, what if CP3 comes back next year? You're going to have him and quickly for the rest of the season and all of next? At times you can play him and Paul together with Book, but not for long stretches and not in the playoffs. Uh, I would rule out a trade for him. But to me, you wouldn't be looking at playing them together. He'd be campaign. He'd be the guy you're bringing in to spell Chris Paul, and well, you wouldn't have him on the court at the same time. I mean, to be honest, like, you're looking at, listen, if they go after another guard, okay, let's say they get Fred Van Vliet, and let's say they get Terry Rozier, they get, you know, quickly, especially if they get quickly. Like, I mean, the writing's on the wall for Chris Paul because you're looking to move on from him, and that's the whole point of this. You're not, for next year, to think that another guard, a bona fide good guard is going to come in here and and ride the bench and play 15 minutes a game there's no fucking way there's just no way they're going to play and they're going to play a significant amount because chris paul is on the downside of his career you can't just keep throwing chris paul out there and expecting the same results that you got the last two years we're seeing that that's not going to happen so whoever comes in is going to have to take his minutes chris paul goes to the bench if he wants to stay but i don't know i don't know what the reality of that is either Look, I have the utmost respect for Gambo, but like Lindsay said, this wasn't. I'm reporting that the sun, which are, he will tell you he will when he me. when he has spoken to somebody and he said what I'm hearing is so that I mean there are semantics to all these tweets. We all understand that, right? I so I, again, is, he might have said something on the show though. I've heard little things. I'm leaning towards they wouldn't be interested in guys, but Mark Stein is a guy I trust. This isn't Jake Fisher throwing something out there. Mark Stein is a guy that is reputable, has written for the New York Times, has been an ESPN reporter, has sources deep within the NBA. Uh, so I tend to lean towards the Suns do have some interest. Maybe they've been rebuffed for what they've offered or they've just kicked the tires. Mm -hmm. uh, but I trust what Mark Stein's saying that at some point the Suns had some interest in this and they are thinking about their future beyond Chris Paul. Yeah. There was also a report from Bob McCowan on his podcast where he said, quote, I talked to an NBA insider yesterday. This is a guy I've known for a few years. He tells me OG Ananobi wants out of Toronto. And then Bruce Arthur from the Toronto Star said he heard 
that at least one team offered three first-round picks for OG and Anobi. So this is where the Trade Machine Tuesday machine comes into play because Espo put together this fun little shenanigans here. Espo, what did you come up with? Look, I I know they want to get off Jay Crowder. DeAndre Ayton is a guy that's becoming expendable potentially well toronto's been rumored to want him yeah well that that too and then uh you know if they've already been offered three first round picks you're probably gonna have to pony up but with the f them kids mentality that's in this front office uh why not throw him in otto porter he's injured this year so it's more of a salary matching you get og ananobi and gary trent jr so you add a, a decent amount of scoring heft here uh you get a, a great defender and OG Ananobi, and you make your bench a little bit more dangerous than it currently currently is. I'll be honest. I think this is 50-50. It's, it, it's one of those that I get if people don't think it makes sense, but I also get where it would. And the more I look at it and the lineup options you could have, the more I kind of get sold that this may be about the best you're going to get for uh for DA. I can talk myself into it. I can initially off the top, it's like, I don't know, but I feel like I could talk myself into it. Yeah, I we first of all, like if it was just DA for Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr., cool. I, I maybe maybe I could be convinced of that, right? But the fact that you're throwing in three first round picks, I don't care what James Jones values in terms of their draft, those are still valuable assets that you have to account for yeah. because other teams do. And you can't just throw those things away thinking that they don't cost you anything because somebody else wants them. Like, that's just not how you do business. And then on top of that, like, yeah, we can sit here and talk about the scoring averages for both of these guys. Yeah, it'll it'll help the team, team increase, although I have my doubts as to how they would fit in with this particular group of guys, uh, Monty Williams has not been the best at managing personnel to try and get the most out of them in terms of rotations. So I wonder how that would be. Would we see Gary Trent Jr. all of a sudden not play a fucking minute in a game because they couldn't find time to squeeze him in between Cam and Mikhail and Anobi? And like, I just, I don't know about that. And then on top of that, like defensive wise, like, and that's the thing that everybody wants to point out is like, well, defensively, they, they'd be really good. Well, Ananobi's having his worst year defensively as we speak. And Gary Trent Jr. is not in that same conversation Ar- as well. Arguably, DA is and, too. Yeah, DA is too, but still his defensive rating is still better than both of them right now. So I I, I wouldn't I feel like you're just doing a trade just to, to just to make a trade in this one. Okay. If there if it was one first round pick and two second rounders instead of three first round picks, does that change your mind at all? Probably not. No? No. Look, I just People just, are saying Siakam. I don't think this is enough to get in the Siakam conversation with them. They're going to want a hell of a lot more, I think, to get to get Siakam. You're talking four pick swaps, more young talent, I think, that they'd want. So I don't think you're getting in the Siakam discussion if, if those even – materialize for anybody i mean you need a superstar right i think we've we've agreed that you need somebody that's you need going to score to, you need to score like somebody that can get theirs right um do we have enough to get that well, i don't believe we do well yeah i mean but like in in the thing that you're honestly right now da is an investment you got to look at him as an investment and you're hoping that that investment is going to at least give you a window at some point that you can capitalize on right now. I don't think it is. I don't think it's it. 
and his trade value is lower than it was maybe a, 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 a half a season ago. Uh, but I also don't think that making that trade and what we have seen, we, we got to say this, we have seen DA step up his level of play in the playoffs specifically. I don't know if this really makes you all that much better when you swap those two, because there's just too many, too much of a variable, especially in the in the in the back in the front court that you're going to have to account for. See, I don't think people are going to like this, but I think you need to be looking at this trade deadline twofold. Keep you good enough to compete in this year's playoffs, uh, and but also give you the flexibility to still compete and make moves in this off season where your cap becomes problematic where you're going to have issues that all this expiring money that's going out, you can't bring in and replace. So I think you got to get as much talent and assets in the door this offseason, utilizing some of those expirings to give you more flexibility to make subsequent moves in an offseason. Uh, so that's part of what I think you'd be doing here is cashing in on DA to get multiple assets, trying to figure out what the future looks like, uh, I think that your OG is more palatable on his current contract and his level of talent and room for growth than DA, DA is with some teams looking at trades. So you may be able to flip him again in the offseason if you don't like the way it works. This is the way I think James Jones needs to think is uh, he can't just be playing checkers. He's got to play 4D chess going in into this trade deadline and looking at ways to get in assets that you can keep under your cap and make moves with as well. I, and I, I think you might have to look, how do I maximize DA to get multiple pieces to then maybe make another, but move. I think you have a log jam. This is my thing is though. I, I think you have a log jam between Booker, Mikhail, Cam, Trent, and, oh, and Anubi. That's five guys that, that, that average over 12, 13, 14 points a game. Uh, and Devin Booker being the dominant one of, the, of that group, like I, I just think that that's a lot of mouths to feed that that need to score that that to provide that value that you're talking about, and that's why Da and for whatever you want to say about Da, Da is not a vital piece in terms of scoring when Devin Booker is in the lineup. He's a nice. He's a nice accessory. We definitely want more from him, but he doesn't demand the ball like these other guys might, and that's. I, that's a lot of mouths. But to if feed. you have OG in the starting lineup and you move Cam to the bench and Gary Trent Jr. also, obviously this is all pending on egos and all of the things, right? You put Gary Trent Jr. and Cam Johnson on the bench, also including Damian Lee in there. You got shooters everywhere for and, the most part. And we, positionless basketball. What happened to that? Everybody wants a bunch of six, seven wings that can guard, switch, do all that. Isn't that all we heard forever? Uh, by the way, Sunders, I was saying OG has has more flexibility in being traded, more interest around the league than DA because he's making seventeen million uh, this year, eighteen million next, and I believe nineteen the subsequent year. So almost not 20. make as much has a higher ceiling in some people's minds. So I think he might be able to bring you back more value I, if you want to flip him. Is so. it, well, it, well, okay, so if OG really wants out, okay, why do we have to trade DA to get him? Like, why That's can't a fair question. why can't we trade the first? The, uh, now, if you want to do three first round picks, Jay Crowder, and maybe throw in a oh I don't know <clears throat> Landry Shamit. Uh, because why would they do that? 
Why for the first round picks? No, they'd want a young talent back as well because he may want out, but they've got him under control for mm-hmm. two more years, two and a half more years. The, the rest of this in two more years, they're not just giving him up for nothing. This is the this is the problem Suns fans fall into. They think we'll give you our trash and a few first round picks, and please give and us we'll back something of value. Because the expirings, and if they were looking at the cap numbers on their end and stuff like that, that's the reason why I would say that. But that's yeah. it. At the end of the day, I don't think this is a deal that James Jones would make. But if it were. I would be able to convince myself that it was okay. That's that's well, how Toronto, I'm looking Toronto at it. Toronto would take that deal in a heartbeat, I think. And that's why I said I don't think James Jones would make no, this deal. I don't think but would if either. it happened, I could convince myself that things were okay. Look, Eric said Crowder, you know, I think that DA is only going to move Crowder uh this James Jones. James Jones is only going to is going to only move Crowder. If he does that, he's failed. You can't sit on the additional expiring contracts, let that money uh, evaporate and leave yourself with very little flexibility going into next well, year. Well, it's funny you should say that. It is funny you should say that because we might just maybe have figured out why Jay Crowder hasn't been moved yet. So here's a little nugget of information from Zach Lowe. Yeah. For, someone told me that, that has some interest in Crowder that the, the Suns seem to want two of the following three things, a good young player, a first round pick in a rotation, almost a starter Crowder level player, two of those three. And it's like, that's cool. Like, that's why Jay Crowder hasn't been traded yet because he hasn't, we're 50 games into the season. He hasn't played and he's in the last year of his contract. So the asking price is pretty high. Why, Why would you think you could get that for a guy that's been sitting out and that you weren't even willing to start this year? He's been reading Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> with he, Jay Crowder for LeBron. I mean, who says no? I'm just seriously. That is just that's an asinine asking price. Well, I it, it's asinine until you get down to the wire, and a lot of these things do do happen like that, right? You just yeah, if you really value the asset that you have, and maybe potentially in this uh, scenario, you are overvaluing it. You're going to wait until the very last minute just in case somebody gets desperate and they want to pay that price. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, nothing's happening right now. We're all frustrated about it. But I genuinely feel like James Jones is probably not going to make a big enough move to make a, a really big difference. He'll get rid of Jay Crowder somehow, some way for something that's probably cents to the dollar. And everybody will be upset and we're going to move on. Look, if... Look, if Jay Crowder doesn't get traded, that's a I failure. Th- I said this on Twitter. Well, it's a failure, and they better not buy his ass out because if they don't trade him and then they proceed to buy him out and let him go pick a contender that he can go play for that you potentially face in the playoffs, you have failed on multiple levels. At that point, you sit there and you say, Sorry, Jay, you're just sitting out now. Uh, you got your wish. You're not here, but you're not you're not going to go help somebody else win. You can go pick your team in the offseason, but I'm not helping you right now to potentially hurt myself in the playoffs. Okay, so Sunderous Dunks in the chat said he was having a hard time understanding the audio. Um, it was fast, but basically what, what Zach Lowe was saying was that the Suns want two of these three things for Jay Crowder. A first-round pick, a good young player, and a rotational, basically starter-level player. They want two of those three things, which I personally think is asking a lot for Jay Crowder. Well, and that that goes to debunk the the theory out there 
that James Jones doesn't value picks. He might not. He might not value the draft and the players in the draft. But he, but he values the picks the, because as assets, as assets, because that matters. Yeah. And so, um, so I mean, listen, if you got a first, I, you're not getting a first for Jay Crowder. You're just not. You're not getting a first and then a rotational player. I, I don't see any scenario where that happens. Uh, and you're not going to get a good young player unless it's some guy that you really valued in the draft that somebody drafted and maybe they're, you know, just on the fringe and they never really play. But that's – there's nothing here. And Eric, Eric and Sundress are saying the Suns are a top three team without making a move. If we're 100% healthy and at yeah. the top of our game? They're a top three team in the West. Maybe. I mean, I, I think four or five in the West, but in the league, top three? No, I think top no. I think top three in the West. I could see them being top three in the West, but not, not in the league. Not the way Boston's playing. Bag said, is it Crowder and something else, though, or just Crowder? Accor from what I understand, he's talking about just Crowder. Yeah, he, if it's Crowder and something else, though, the theory would be that it would be like a Dario Saric mm. or a Landry Shamit or something of that nature, which adds value to an extent, but it, again, not a player that you're phoning home about necessarily. Yeah, I'm getting the feeling that James Jones is difficult to negotiate. And that was another thing that has been brought up multiple times from all of these people with their inside sources is that a lot of people around the league are saying that it's it's not easy well, that's having conversations with the Suns right now. I think to a level, you know, to a degree, uh, listen, what's James Jones' experience, right? It's working with Ryan McDonough behind the scenes, uh, kind of coming up through, the, the, through those ranks and then taking uh, everything on himself. And then uh, Jeff Bowers, right? That was his name, mm -hmm. Jeff Bowers? Uh, it came in to kind of help. James kind of navigate things. That's ironically when the Chris Paul deal did finally go through. Bowers was in the I, New Orleans franchise. Yeah, and so I wonder how much – everything is on JJ right now. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how much inexperience is really starting to show up on his end because if you if you try to treat these things like they're valuable baseball cards and you never want to let them go – you will start to create that reputation for yourself as being a difficult person to work with. And nobody's going to want to call you. Nobody's going to want to call you because you're asking for the moon and that's not good. Uh, somebody had broken down. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. It's like when you do a trade, actually, uh, uh, Bill Armstrong, the, the mm -hmm. GM for the Coyotes talked about a, a great trade is when both teams are able to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. So in your guys's example of, of an, an Anubi and Trent getting traded for DA in the picks, like both teams essentially get something in return mm -hmm. that helps both teams. And that's, that's a perfect trade right. because both, and it makes it, and you, and you create goodwill because now the other team doesn't feel like you bamboozled them um, and will be willing to negotiate with you even more in the future, which I thought was a great thing to say, because you don't really think about terms like mm -hmm. that. You know, you, you always want to, you know, you always want the farm, um, well, and, yeah, because and, if you fleece somebody, they're not going to want to come back and yeah. and play nice in the sandbox with you the next time around. Well, that's he's, how they lose their job. Yeah, and he said, you know, shame, you know, basically fleece me once, shame on me. Yeah. Fleece me twice. Well, I'm not trading with you again. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Exactly. 